Now, tell me, we're, we are almost to Christmas. We are almost there, and, uh, and, here, and who has their decorations all up? You got your decorations up? Everybody got their decorations up? Okay, here's, here's one of the things about Christmas. Um, you know, you pull out the decorations, and here's one of the problems I have uh, with, my, with my decorations. And my wife's not in the room, so I can say all these kind of things. Um, I, uh, you know, decorations are, are, you know, I like them. I love actually being in a room with decorations, Christmas decorations specifically, but I'm just not a big fan of put them out. And here's why, because I have to displace everything else in my house to make sure that these, this stuff happens. Like, if you're with me, in order to have a giant tree that is not normally there in your house, something has to move, right? You have to move furniture around, it has to go to the garage, it has to move around the room, and then the room gets a little bit more crowded, it gets a little bit more cramped. I mean, there's stuff, it displaces other stuff, and you have to find some place to put the stuff that you displace, the stuff that... There's a lot of stuff going on. And so, I mean, it just cramps the room a good bit. I like big open spaces. I like big rooms. I'm just kind of a big person. That's how we work. Um, so I, I really enjoy to have my space. And we, then, when, you know, then you have to take the stuff at the end of the season and put it away. And somehow there's more stuff this year than there was last year. And you didn't really have enough space last year to put up in the attic. And now you've got to figure out where you're going to put more stuff into the attic and just kind of get shoved in there. Some, somehow your, your, your husband has to shove it all in there. Uh, it, it, it's really kind of painful. Then there's, the, then there's the problem of trying to figure out where you're going to put the gifts that are not wrapped yet before they go underneath the tree. Where are we going to hide these gifts, right? If you don't cook, you can hide them in the stove because no one ever goes in there, right? Um, so there, but master bedroom closets are filled with gifts because they're not wrapped yet. You don't want to unveil what they are. If you're, if you got a gift for your husband or you got a gift for your wife, you have to find some kind of way inside of your house or inside of your car or in your trunk or in your office somewhere to hide your wife's gift before you can try to, you know, before you can wrap it, which for me is like December 24th. And, um, and, and God loved the man who made the gift bag, Right? When I get to heaven, I'm going to hug that guy, right? You know, the tissue paper lady. That's like, I'm going to make this a little bit more pretty. Yeah, I just, I just like, I like the gift bag. Sit in there, tissue paper, fluff it up. We're good. We're good. You know, no tape involved. It's wonderful, right? But we have to figure out where we're going to, to put all of this stuff. And we're okay with this because it's just a short period of time. Why? We're okay with having a cramped lifestyle, trying to figure out where all this stuff goes. Because it's Christmas. And we do that at Christmas. And we know that it is an indefinite period in which we have to live with all of this stuff that's around, kind of cramping our style a little bit. But it's okay, because eventually all of that stuff is going to be put away, it's only for a time period, and we're going to move on. And it's going to come to an end. Now, over the last couple of weeks, I've asked you this question of, how do we make room for Christ inside of Christmas, because our Christmas season is so busy, and there's so, much, there's so many things going on, that it's hard to actually focus in on, who, on, on the Jesus part of the story. The reason why we have Christmas in the very beginning is because the birth of Christ in Christmas. That's what, and I think most people know that. It's about, uh, you know, baby Jesus in the manger. Most of us kind of understand this and have a grasp that, that Christmas, at least in this room, if you're here and you're at church, you have a little bit of a grasp that this is about a little baby in a manger, right? So we do. We do make a piece of our heart. We make a piece of our life and a piece of our Christmas about Jesus. I'm not saying that we don't. I actually think that we, we do. And, and you wouldn't be here if you didn't think so at some, at some kind of level. And we, we do. We love Jesus during this time. We love the story because it's Christmas. And we love Christmas, Christmas music because why? Because it's Christmas. 
We love lights. We're okay with Clark Griswold next door that has tons of lights going on all night. Uh, We're okay with it. We don't complain. Why? Because it's Christmas. It's okay. It's totally all right. And the question is, all that stuff is going to go away. All the lights, all the presents, all the decorations. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, when all of Christmas gets put away, do we also put away Christ? Do we also put away Christ, the story of Jesus, within our life? Because there's a, there, there are some people who are a little bit, uh, they're, they're a little bit different. Now, we, normally we, we have, you know, Jesus, we have Santa Claus, very similar. Jesus comes down to bring peace and hope and gives, right? Santa Claus is very similar, comes, comes out of nowhere and gives, which is, which is fantastic. Now, the rest of the year, we don't call him Santa Claus. We call, we call it like the Mary Poppins syndrome, right? That we, we're asking Jesus to come into our life when, when what? When there's something wrong. When, when something is not right, when we need some discipline, when, something, uh, when, when maybe some tragedy strikes. Now watch this. Watch this with the Connecticut shooting. I don't, I don't want to make light of this at all, but what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, what you've seen on the news is a lot about God. Where was God in this tragedy? What does God think about this? And then you have the other piece of it, which is, God, I hope that God comforts these, these folks, these, lost, these people who have lost loved ones, that God comes in and come, becomes the great comforter, Right? Watch, watch how God disappears from the conversation in the next couple weeks after this thing kind of gets put to bed a little bit. Because we often view during, this, during the regular year, we kind of view Jesus as kind of Mary Poppins. Comes in, gives a little sugar, everything's a little better, and when everything's a little better, we, you know, ship them on out. We're done, we're good. Now some people, on the other hand, celebrate Christmas all year round. Is there anybody that actually listens to Christmas music during the summer, like you're one of those people? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I, you know, love Christmas music. Now, there are some people who, who have a plan for Christmas. They actually have it in the back of their mind the entire time. Now, my, my mom is one of these people. My dad's sitting right here on the front row. My mom is one of these people, and he can attest to this, right? I, tell me if this is you. I get calls in, like, April. Hey, hey, honey, uh, doesn't Adrian need uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at a store and I really see this really great, whatever it is, kitchen utensil, right? Uh, at, and it's on sale. It's on sale right now. And I'm thinking about getting it for her. Do you think that she would like that? I'm like, yeah, I think, I think she would really like that. That would be really great. And she's like, okay, I'll pick it up for her for Christmas. And I'm like, mom, it's April. Like Christmas is 10 months away. I know that's not right, but Christmas, Christmas is a long time. And so, like, my mom has, like, closets. Am I right? She has, like, closets. Yeah, she, take her, yeah. she has closets filled with gifts that she bought three years ago for here. Like, it's just like, she's thinking about Christmas all year round. It's part of her thinking. It's like, a, it's a spiritual gift. It really is. Now, here's, here's the question. Do we kind of have this Santa Claus mentality of Jesus that he comes down just at Christmas time, do we kind of have this Mary Poppins mentality where he, he comes into the situation when things are, uh, you know, things are kind of skittish, when things didn't go right, when we need a little bit of discipline in our lives, we bring in Jesus to kind of be the comforter and the one who's going to give us a plan, a little bit of discipline? Or are we kind of like my mom, where we, we live out this whole idea of Christmas all year round? Um, I want us to look in the scripture 
uh, at Luke chapter 2. It's a, a pretty, it might be a more unfamiliar part of the Christmas story, but if you have a Bible, uh, Luke chapter 2. Now, Luke is in the New Testament, so if you uh, go way past halfway to your right, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke is one of the, uh, what we call the Gospels, or the story of Jesus, and actually has the longest account of Jesus' birth and some of the details that are not included anywhere else uh, in the Scripture. And so, but there, there's a really cool part. Now, in, in chapter 2, verse 22 uh, through 33, we're going to uh, see a piece of the story that we don't normally see, okay? Uh, and here's what's happening. Jesus has already been born. I don't want to ruin anything for you, okay? Jesus wasn't necessarily born on the 25th, but, you know, hey. Uh, it, Jesus has already been born at this point, earlier in the chapter. And his, and his mother and adopted father, uh, Mary and Joseph, are going to the temple to complete a Jewish ritual that is done for every child, especially first children, okay? And so there's several ceremonial things that have to go on for Jewish families that go back hundreds of years. So they go to the temple in Jerusalem and bring this child. This would have been about 40 days or so after Jesus would have been born. Uh, and, and they were very devout people. Joseph and Mary were very devout Jews. Uh, they, knew, they knew God. They knew the law very well. And so they would have known all of these things. So if you look in, in, in chapter 2, verse 22, it'll be up on the screen. Read along with me. It says this. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who uh, first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves um, and two young pigeons. Now, here's the deal. Purification. You might ask, what, what is this idea of purification? How does how does that work? Now, in any time, and, and I, I won't get too grotesque here, but any time there's blood that passes from a woman, either through childbirth or some other way, there has to be, a, in their law, there was a purification ritual that had to happen, which you had to have a sacrifice. Now, aren't you very glad we don't do that anymore, ladies? Okay, so, uh, there, you know, when you, when you birth, or any time there's blood that is passed through the female body, uh, there has to be some kind of ceremonial Uh, sacrifice that has to happen. Now, in the law, it calls for a lamb. Now, most, but it also has a provision for poor people in the law that if you can't afford a lamb, that you can give to doves or to pigeons. Now, this speaks to the idea that Joseph and Mary were very, very poor. They didn't have enough money. I mean, you would have thought that at this point, this is probably the most important ceremony that they've ever taken, a part, taken part in, that they would have been able to get, they would have been, you know, chalk up a little bit of money to buy a lamb. They were that poor. Even for what they knew as the Son of God, they couldn't even afford a lamb for that. So they had to give the provision to the law, which would have been two turtle doves. You ever wonder where that comes from in that song? That's where it comes from. Uh, So two turtle doves or two young pigeons uh, to be able to give as a sacrifice for this. And this just speaks to Jesus' humble estate. Um, And so we're going to look and keep going in verse 25. It says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Explain what that means. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now you have this character, Simeon. Not much known about Simeon. This is the only story about Simeon in the entire Bible. We don't know much about him. We don't know where he comes from. We don't know what his job is. We just know that he is a devout, very 
uh, very close to the Lord, man. It says that he is filled with the Holy Spirit and that, he, that God has gifted him with this idea that he is going to be able to view with his eyes the Christ child who is going to come. God promised that to him. Now, he's also looking for something called, and I, and I underline this on the screen, the consolation of Israel. Now, here's the deal. Consolation means to console someone or to comfort them. Now, the Holy Spirit that is also spoken about in this passage is the great comforter. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the great comforter. So this man would have been comforted himself. He was filled with the comforter, but he was watching for, get this, and I want you to get this because this is important. He was watching for the consolation of the entire nation of Israel. And even past that, that we'll read in a minute, he was looking for the consolation of the Gentile world as well. So you got Israel and you got the Gentiles. That encompasses everybody. He wants everyone to have the same comfort of the Holy Spirit that he does. He desires that within himself. And every day, you would have had this man, Simeon, going to the temple and watching. If you are told, you're going to be able to see the Christ child. And then you're going to be able to die. But before you die, you're going to be able to see him. Now, Simeon would have been really old at this point. Really, really old. Way past life expectancy. They would have known him as little old man Simeon. Very weak. And all he would do every day is go to the temple and watch. Watch for the families bringing in the babies. Because there would have been hundreds of families through his lifetime that would have come in the temple to do the same ritual that Joseph and Mary were about to do. Now, can you imagine sitting in the temple every day, possibly dozens if not hundreds of babies coming in every single day to do this ritual and he's watching for every single one of them. He's going out and, you know, a little old man comes and checks on your baby, right? That's what's going on here. And he is waiting and watching. How does, how does he know which one? He's just going to know. He's just going to know. Now, verse 27 says this, moved by the Spirit. Again, this is a man who's moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the, new, of the law required. Here it is. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. This is the child. This is it. This is the one that I've been looking for. I don't even know how I know this, but God has showed me this child. This is the one. I mean, can you imagine Mary? You know, she knows that she's carrying the Son of God, and this old man, very, very weak, comes and says, give me that baby. Right? That's what's happening. Yeah, I want to carry him. You're like, okay, you know, like, you seem okay to me, you know, and he's like, you know, and he holds up this child, and this is what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. That's a really nice way of saying I can die now, okay? For my eyes have seen, what? What is that word? Your salvation. What does Jesus mean? Jesus means Yahweh is my salvation. Yeshua Yahweh is my salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all of the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory your people Israel. He's saying this person is going to bring salvation to everyone. And it says the child's father and mother marveled what, uh, what was said about him. So then one day it happened. Finally, it happened. This was the one. And Simeon knew God so well that he knew when that child arrived that this was it. And this was the best, imagine this, okay. This is the best Christmas ever for Simeon. 
This was the real deal. He was ready, and I want you to get this about Simeon. He was ready for Christmas. If anybody, it was like, he was looking forward to Christmas every single day of his life. See, we know when Christmas is. We know it's on December 25th. We know that we have a little bit of time to get ready for it. And then the 25th, we celebrate it. Boom, we're done. We move on to New Year's, right? Simeon was ready for Christmas every single day. He was expectant. He was ready for that Christ child to come. And he was, he was watching and waiting. And he prayed for months and years and possibly decades when God gave him this promise. I'm going to please show me the Christ child today. I want to see him. And then I want to go see my father that I know so well in heaven. I want to be done with this. But I know that I want to see this Christ child. Christmas was an everyday experience for Simeon. Because he was waiting for that child. And don't miss this. Simeon never questioned whether he had room for Jesus. There was not one moment in Simeon's life when that baby finally came into the room where he said, okay, hang on, let me, let me move stuff around. Hang on, let me check my time schedule. I don't know if I have time for that. Hang on, let me, let me uh, you know, I got to get the decorations up. I got to get everything ready. No, Simeon was ready right then and there. Why? Because he had been walking with God so closely every single day that when Jesus finally showed up on the scene, he was ready. He was ready and expectant. And don't miss that. You see, Simeon had walked so closely and had such great faith that God was going to come in. And so when he held that child... Something that he had pictured in his mind for so long. And it was a belief that he had that God was going to show him this. And he had faith, but finally he held this child and his faith became sight. He no longer had to believe anymore. It was just physical reality. The promise had come to pass. Now, this is the solution. Last week, I uh, told you that um, to make room for Christ, we have to listen. So most of us think the solution is to make room for Christ, uh, we, have to, we, we have to kind of move all this stuff around in our life. Well, I have to, you know, I have to get out of debt first, and I have to deal uh, with my past first. And, I, you know, I used to have a drug problem, or I currently have a, uh, a drinking problem, and, and my, my marriage isn't good. I've got to get all that cleaned up first before Jesus can come in and make room. You know, I have to make room for Jesus in my life. Now, what did I ask you to do last week? I said making room for Christ means making time to what? Listen. What do you think Simeon did every single day? He waited and listened. He listened for the cry of babies. And he was expectant for what God was trying to do. Now here's the deal. So what's the solution? How do we fill our lives with Christ? How do we make room for Christ at Christmas? Here's the solution. I want to put it up on the board. Christ is a permanent fixture, not a seasonal fixation. Christ is a permanent fixture, not a seasonal fixation. I'll say it one more time. Christ is a permanent fixture, not a seasonal fixation. I love that you're here this morning. 
you're, you're, you might be here because it's Christmas season and you're supposed to go to church. That's well and wonderful. I love you. I'm thankful that you're here and I hope that you'll stay, right? We're here all year long, but I'm glad that you're here, right? Here's the deal. It's, Christianity isn't just about the Christmas season. It's not just about this baby who was born. It is a permanent, year-long, lifelong process in which we make Jesus a permanent fixture in our lives. I mean, Christmas for me, I've been walking with Christ for, you know, over a decade now. Christmas for me, is just kind of normal. It's a celebration of a birthday, but I don't, in my heart, there's no making room for Christ because Christ has been in there for a very long time. And I would want that same hope for you. I would want, I would desire that same hope for you. And you might be, you might be here in church this morning and you're kind of wondering about this and you've been waiting on something. You've been waiting on something and you know that there is something wrong inside. You know that there is a void in your heart and in your life that you have never been able to fill with whatever you've tried to fill it with. And you know that there is a problem. It doesn't take long for us to figure out this world is full of problems. So look, at, look at Connecticut, for instance. There is sin and evil in this world and we all have it with inside of us. And there is something inside of us that is empty and, and has a giant void. And so let me tell you about how Christ fills that void. We have been created by God. We have been created from the very beginning. God said that I created and molded you. And a long time ago, he created two, Adam and Eve, who were in a garden in relationship with God. And they decided on their own that they would walk away from God, creating a great chasm, and we call that sin. And sin came in, it came and divided God from from his people, from Adam and Eve. And from that moment, there was a problem, a huge problem. There was now created this hole in, in Adam and Eve's heart that needed to be filled. And so God began this long process of making sure that he can fill that void in a very lawful, real way. And then you have the, Christ, the Christmas season. You have the birth of Christ. The one who is going to come. He's not going to be a, a temporary warlord. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted the Messiah to do. They wanted them, him to come in and overthrow the Roman Empire. And just like, okay, give me, back, give me back our kingdom and then you can go away, Messiah. No. Jesus came in as a permanent fixture into their lives. He came in as the Prince of Peace who is going to completely fill them with salvation so that they know that they could have eternal life. That, that little baby grew up to be a man who ministered and never sinned. He never broke, even though he was tempted, just like you and I, he never broke and he never, he never broke down into sin. And so therefore he, um, and so therefore he just, uh, he, he was able to then go through something called the crucifixion, which we celebrate at Easter, which is the death of Christ. And he died on a cross. Basically, what, what the Bible says is that we have sub, he substituted our, our sin for his righteousness. He gave, us, he gave us what is righteous and good inside of him, and we gave him all of our sin and death and evil. And we substituted those two things. And he says that that is available for you. That the only pathway back to God, the only way to fill the, the void in your heart the something that you need to make it a permanent fixture, not just a, a seasonal fixation, it's Jesus. And he wants to come in and he wants to transform your whole entire life. And I want that for you and I want to give you an opportunity today to make that a reality. 
And I know there's a ton of questions about that, and I want to answer those questions. I want to pray with you, and I want to see whether you want to become a Christian. And I want to see whether you want this, this void to be filled in your life, because that could happen right now. It could happen today. Now, let me tell you, when, uh, when Adrian and I were, um, we were, Adrian was pregnant with Reagan. I was um, a minister in, a, in a, a big, more traditional church with a lot of people. And uh, every single week, I had to go to the hospital and to visit people in the hospital, multiple people in the hospital. And I'd go to a, one, this one hospital all the time. I probably had gone there a hundred times. And I knew where to park. I knew where to go. I knew the ins and outs of that hospital. I knew where the bathrooms were. I had a relationship with the lady at the info desk. I mean, we were, we were good friends. Sometimes I would go twice a week to this place. I knew this place so well. And I would slip into these rooms. I would talk to people about their problems and what, why they were in the hospital. And I would pray for them and I would leave. And I would go home and I'd go back to my own family. And so when it came to actually giving birth to, to Reagan, I remember pulling into the parking lot. And Adrian's like, hey, where do we park? I'm like, I've been here a thousand times. I know where to park. We'll park. And she's like, okay, where do we go now? I'm like, here, I know exactly where to go. And we, we, we went exactly as I knew how to go through the maternity ward and all sorts of stuff. And we got to the room and, and, and you know, it was, it was this fantastic process of birth. I hope that you get to experience that at some point in your life. And, and, and it was a fantastic process. And then I didn't have to go after that. Normally, I would go to the hospital, check on people, and then leave. And it didn't affect me. I didn't even know those people's names really. But now I was there and there was a baby in our life that was born at that hospital. And things were different. We had to stay overnight. We brought home this child, and it has affected our life ever since. It has transformed our home. We had to make room for this, for this child. We had, to make, we had to move furniture around and make, make room in our house. We, we feed her, and we keep her, and we make sure that she's safe, all of these things. That never happened with the rest of my hospital visits. I would go in and go out and with no problem, but now I have this child who has transformed my life. And that's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He doesn't desire the seasonal uh, come in and come out. He desires for this child to come in and transform your life and be there permanently. And I want that for you. And I want you to ask questions. And we've got, we're, we're going to have a time of response where I want you to be bold in this. And we're going to end the service this way. We're going to pray together, and then I'm going to ask you to respond. And if that's you, if you're saying, hey, that's me, I've got a void in my heart, I need something to fill it, I need, I need salvation that you're talking about, then that's me, and I want to give you a chance to respond to that. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Here's what I want to do, and this is a little bit different. You're like, you might be like, that's me. That person with the hole in their heart, that's me. That person that is looking for something and someone, that's me. And it might be this, that you know that God is knocking on your heart's door, and that's you. I want to pray with you, and I want to answer your questions. And we're going to have a few folks... Uh, from our church that would love to speak with you about this. Do not allow this Christmas to go by as just a seasonal fixation. Make it a permanent fixture in your life because what it does is it will save you from all, for all of eternity. So here's what I want to do. If this is you, if this is you, here's all I want you to do and this is a very simple step. I want you to look me in the eyes. 
right now. I just want you to look me in the eyes, look up at me, and say, that's me. And if I don't see you, you know, slip your hand in the air so I can see. In just a moment, I'm going to stand everybody up. And I'm going to give you a chance, another chance just to respond. Maybe I didn't see your eyes. If I didn't, that's okay. But if that's you and you want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Christ, I, me and uh, Pastor David and a few others, a few ladies are going to be back in the back of the room and they want to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. And so when we stand, everybody, when everybody stands and begins to sing this final song, uh, I just want you to slip out into the back of the room and come grab one of us and say, hey, I need to talk with you. And we're going to pray together and we're going to talk and we're going to answer all the questions that we can. And then we're going to walk together in a new life with Christ. So if that's you, I want you to, I, when I stand everybody up, I want you to go ahead and go back there. Don't wait, just go. Father, I'm grateful for a chance uh, to just um, declare who you are and what you have done. And so I ask that all of us would become permanent fixtures in your kingdom. That we wouldn't slip in and slip out. That you are going to make room in, in, in our heart for yourself. And you're going, to, you're, you're going to come in and you're going to transform us. And I ask that you would do that for the one that might be in this room that desperately needs that today. And so I ask that you would do that. Give them courage right now to stand and to walk. God, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.